Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome from Tokushimo, Japan for episode 9 of the Asia Diaries series. Wow, where to begin? It's been a really interesting week. We came to the island of Shikoku in southwestern Japan for a specific reason. A couple of years ago, someone had told me that they'd seen a documentary of this thousand-year-old pilgrimage that people have been doing on the island of Shikoku where people walk some 700 miles and over the course of doing that visit 88 different Buddhist temples. It follows the outer perimeter of the island of Shikoku which is one of the, the large islands of Japan. Apparently or at least according to legend and tradition these 88 temples were either established by or had something to do with the life of the great monk called Kukai. He's renowned for us being the founder of Shingon Buddhism in Japan some 1200 years ago or so. So as I said, for the last thousand years, people have been going on pilgrimage, following the 700 mile circuit, walking around the outer perimeter of Shikoku, visiting these various temples. Now the vast majority of people can't take off the six or seven weeks it requires to do this, and so they do it by rented car by tour bus or something like that but the standard and traditional way is still to do it as a walking pilgrimage and so a couple of years ago when a friend of mine from southern california who's been spending a lot of time in japan the last several decades commented about having seen this documentary talking about the shikoku 88 pilgrimage it planted the seed it was something that sounded right up my alley many of you know that i have a long and a relatively interesting history with mountaineering and adventuring and although I love the mountains and I love being in wild places and I've done lots of backpacking over many many years backpacking has never been something that I really took to quite frankly I just never slept well on the ground and yet the idea of doing these long distance hiking routes such as the Pacific Crest Trail or the Appalachian Trail or the Shikoku 88 pilgrimage are intensely interesting to me. There's this romantic idea of immersing myself in a space for days and weeks at a time, carrying everything on my back and just living this free adventures lifestyle. Yet I've never pulled the trigger on even something like the John Muir Trail, a mere 210 miles long, for the simple reason that I just don't sleep well on the ground. But what appealed to me about the Shikoku 88 is that while some people do it as a camping backpacking type trip Japanese culture in general tends to frown upon such a thing and most people stay in hostels and places like that and so of course that immediately made me very very interested in doing this particular pilgrimage so the current plan actually is to return in a few months to do the whole thing but we spent the last week on the island of Shikoku doing the first 55 or 60 miles as a, something of a reconnaissance trying to get a sense of how it works how you arrange lodging in the various places we're also in the shoulder season where the spring optimal spring season is ending and we're entering into the rainy season it's soon going to be very hot and humid and a lot of mosquitoes and so now is not a very good time to do it as a matter of fact we discovered this last week as we did this 60 or however many mile reconnaissance 
we encountered a grand total of perhaps two other walking pilgrims on the entire route of 60 some miles, as I said, that we've done. Yet we saw a fair number of people still traveling by by tour group and a rented van or in a personal car or whatever. So right now is certainly not a popular time. So all that being said, we envision this particular one week time period in Shikoku as a reconnaissance period to simply do that first little segment, the first five or so days on the trail, just to get a sense of logistics, how it's going to work, how to find lodging, what meals and, and finding uh, water and things like that, what that looks like, and also how to use the public transportation system, the rail system, the bus system, when in fact it's hard to find a place to stay and we need to travel elsewhere. Um, but the idea is to take the purest approach, and that is to do the entire 700 miles on foot, even though we may occasionally use public transportation to travel to and from other places. So that being said, how did this week go? Um, before I get into more details, I just want to say it was fantastic. It was already proving to be uh, one of the most uniquely enjoyable and fantastic experiences of my life. Uh, not only is Japan just exquisite, as I've talked about elsewhere in the Asia Diaries series, uh, but there's something about the, there's the natural beauty of it, the deep, deep green, the, the mountains, the, the beautiful rivers of crystal clear water. The Japanese people are kind and, and wonderful. The food is terrific. The weather has been sublime absolutely fantastic so far. But before we had a chance to actually start this reconnaissance, we had a throwback to a 2019 trip we made to Japan when we decided we wanted to come and spend some time in the fantastic traditional city of Kyoto, but we landed in Narita, which is just outside of Tokyo. And before we could get to Kyoto, overnight, we had a typhoon, a large typhoon moved in and shut down the rail system and we had to sit it out and get very creative. So fast forward four years later, we had the exact same thing happen here. We flew into Tokyo, no problem, and then took another short flight, hour and 20 minutes or something like that over to Osaka. And what happened is the next day there was a typhoon which meant that we had to hunker down in our hotel in Osaka rather than, than transport over to uh, take public transportation, the rail and the bus over to Shikoku to begin our reconnaissance. So anyhow, even though it was a typhoon, it's similar to a hurricane. Within a day, everything's passed and, and essentially back to normal as long as there's no disruption of public systems and whatnot. In this case, there was not. And so we were able to take the train and then a beautiful two-hour bus ride um, across this chain of islands that leads over to the big island of Shikoku. I don't know how to describe how fantastically beautiful this drive was. It was just absolutely astonishing. And so what we ultimately did is we took the public transportation system, as I just described, into what's called Tokushima City, which is a pretty substantial city. I guess it would be essentially in the northeast corner of the island of Shikoku, which I said is in southwestern Japan, a substantial island. I don't know how many people live in Tokushima, but it's a fairly substantial city. It's certainly not a town. I would call it a city. And so what happened was we got into Tokushima 
and then we took the rail system once we got off at Tokushima Station we took the rail system to what's called Bondo Station Bondo Station is the kicking off point for those doing the Shikoku 88 pilgrimage and so what happens is you get off at Bondo Station which is just this little um, middle of nowhere sort of station in just a little village and it's just a very short walk of perhaps 10 or 15 minutes to the very first temple on the pilgrimage route. Now you don't have to start the pilgrimage at Temple 1. People can start wherever they want but the general way to do it is to start at Temple 1 which has a proper name but Temple 1 and then go clockwise around the island of Shikoku because Temple 1 is followed by Temple 2, by Temple 3, and so on and so forth. But although it's described here as doing it clockwise around the island, curiously enough, you actually start the first, say, 18 temples going counterclockwise around the outer perimeter around the mountain's edge around the city of Tokushima itself before getting back out to the coast on the southeastern side of Tokushima at which time you begin to go clockwise around the island of Shikoku. If you're confused by what I just described, I'm not surprised by that. But if you look at a map, maybe you'll get a sense of what I'm talking about. So what we did was we arrived in uh, this little village. I'm not even sure what it's called. And we went by Temple 1, and right next door to Temple 1 is what's called um, a Henro Supply Store. Henro is the name that uh, people give, or help. Henro is a pilgrim on this particular route. And so the Japanese people refer to pilgrims as Ohenro-san or Henros. And so there's a Henro Supply Store right next door. At first, I was a little bit not so interested in getting the traditional Henro supplies because I just thought maybe wasn't something I wanted to do but we decided to get some of the basic supplies such as the white vest or more of a robe I guess that people wear there are also stoles and the sedge hat that people wear and a walking staff as well as uh, a bell and, and other sorts of things that people carry and we may do that when we come back in three months time to do the full journey but knowing we were just going to be here for a quick five days on the trail we just simply got the white vest and we also got a stamp book a word about or a few words about the stamp book um, the vast majority of pilgrims get this stamp book for reasons that are obvious to me now one of the most exquisite and enjoyable things about this experience not to make light of the awesomeness of just being on the road for hours and miles day after day after day and on the trail and in the mountains and so on and so forth but something truly wonderful is after you go to each temple and there's a whole sort of ritual of sorts that that's done including bowing at the temple gate when you first enter and then washing your hands and, and rinsing out your mouth and then ringing the bell to signal that you have arrived and then the the chanting of sutras if that's your thing and then putting like kind of a a goodwill sort of slip into the box and this whole sort of thing that is done and, and has a lot of symbolism symbolism attached to it but when you are about to depart the temple, each successive temple, you go into the temple office and you present your stamp book in absolutely beautiful calligraphy. A person writes whatever script in Japanese, traditional Japanese calligraphy, and it's 
absolutely lovely and gorgeous to watch them do this. And so what you do is you carry this book with you. And the idea is when you've completed the journey, you've got a, a series of stamps and the calligraphy from each of the 88 temples. And it's simply a wonderful, um, not only I think as a souvenir, but it's a wonderful part of embarking upon and experiencing this pilgrimage. So all that being said, we got the white vest and we got the, the stamp book and we will probably get some of the other traditional um, supplies when we come back in to do the whole thing. But on that first day, we went from Temple 1 to Temple 2 to Temple 3, where we did a very short meditation in the cemetery at the temple, which was wonderful. But then we decided we needed to return back to the area of Bondo Station because that is where the little hostel, they call them Henro Houses, one of the Henro houses that we stayed at for that first night, we had to return back there. So we used the public train system to do that, which invites uh, a couple words about the language barrier, which is formidable when using the public transportation system here. That's truly one of the things that we we're hoping to unlock as we did this week-long um, reconnaissance of the Shikoku 88 pilgrimage. We were able to figure out a lot of things, but the public transportation system and the language barrier surrounding it still has a lot of mystery. Almost all signage is in English and yes, in places, excuse me, in Japanese. And in some places you can find English and even some of the machines, you can hit a button to switch to um, your language, perhaps certainly English. But generally speaking, signages in Japanese in the vast majority of Japanese people do not speak English. And so don't expect um, that to go smoothly. But a wonderful piece of advice that I got um, as I was preparing and researching for this trip was to view these challenges not so much as challenges, but as part of ascetic training, as embarking upon this, the inviting the hardships, the challenges, the unknowns, and walking into the space and allowing it to unfold, allowing this, this experience to evolve. And indeed, every issue, whether it had to do with a formidable language barrier or whatever else, everything has unfolded. When we're low on, on water or low on food, somehow food or water materialized right when we needed it, and it all worked out well. And it goes back to this idea, this wonderful piece of advice to simply trust. You could say trust your karma or whatever the case may be. You're embarking upon this beautiful experience. You're here to experience Japanese culture and perhaps Buddhist culture. Whatever you're here for, whether it's just to immerse yourself in 700 miles of solitude and experiencing life for six weeks in southwestern Japan, whatever the case may be, trust that it will work out, and indeed it seems to. I want to talk a little bit more about these Henro houses. So I mentioned the first Henro house we stayed in that first night, which is run by this lady who um, takes great pride in kind of welcoming newcomers, and so she took a lot of time to explain about what needs to be done in terms of how to follow the tradition and how to, I might say, properly embark upon this pilgrimage, although I hesitate to, to use that word because there's no right way to do it. There's kind of the traditional way and then the way you choose to do it. But in any case, I would argue that it's good to follow the tradition at minimum to the extent that you're, you're honoring and respecting their culture. And I think there's something inherently appropriate and beautiful about that. 
But so when we fast forward, we went to the next night, we stayed in another Henro house in an area, um, I feel like it was somewhere around, say, Temple 7 or something like that. We typically went about three or so temples per day. Gives you a sense of the, the distance between them. On average, over the course of the five days, I'd say we, we average 10 to 12 miles per day, I would say. Today, the last day, we did about 16 miles, so it was pretty substantial. But that being said, the second night's Henro house was beautiful. I'd argue much, much nicer than the first night. Very, very nice experience, but really hard to find. The signs for these places quite often are not in English. Again, English is not easily come by around here. And it takes a fair bit of guesswork to find the place. Thank goodness there is a fantastic guidebook um, to the area. It's a white book with some green on the cover. I can't remember what it's called. Maybe the Shikoku 88. Um, it's kind of the classic English language guidebook for this experience. There's so much information. When I was studying it in the months leading up to this reconnaissance, I found it kind of overwhelming and tedious. But now that I've had a chance to use it in the field, I see the brilliance of it. It seems to have only information that is useful. It's remarkable how the little details that seem to just clutter up a map is the precise detail that you needed in the moment that you needed it. And so I have to tip my hat to the amazing job on, on the maps, which this guidebook is really, there's, there's a, some introductory commentary, but it's really just a guidebook of maps, and they are supremely useful. All that being said, sometimes it's still difficult to find some of the places where you're going to be staying. The place we stayed on the third night, which I think was somewhere around Temple 10 or something like that, was wonderful. Um, Similar to the second one in terms it was just immaculately clean and very, very comfortable. We had the place completely to ourselves as we did at the second night's Henro house. And then the fourth night's Henro house was after Temple 12, which is an experience I'll be talking about here shortly. Temple 12, or excuse me, that Henro house after Temple 12, um, run by a couple of really kind of cool Japanese guys um, in this village up in the mountains called Sudachian was the name of the Henro house, and they were very kind, and it was a nice experience. And so now this last night, we're staying at a Henro house back in Tokushima City. As I said, even though the, the pilgrimage runs clockwise around the island of Shikoku, the first 18 or so actually run counterclockwise around the mountain's edge, circling the, to the greater Tokushima City area. So we started on, say, the northeast corner, approximately of Tokushima City. We went counterclockwise around the edge and now we're back in the southeast corner of Tokushima City on the opposite side of the city from Temple One and Bondo Station. And so we will depart Japan tomorrow looking forward to a return to the pilgrimage in three months time as I said. But I have a few more things to say about this experience. One is the not quite eerie, but certainly startling silence throughout Japan. I'm not just talking about the obvious silence you might encounter in the mountains, which thus far among the 60 or so miles we've done, much of it was in the mountains, but much of it is walking through these charming little villages. We spent very little time in heavily populated areas, usually walking if not in the mountains, through these, down these little lanes along rice fields and farms, agricultural land, these narrow little streets and these charming villages, and you see almost no one. It's very, very quiet, unusually quiet. 
when we started on the weekend, we thought maybe just people take a rest on the weekend, but now that we've seen the workday here, it's not much busier. I think the Japanese people are just simple, quiet people, and it's hard to get used to, but it's wonderful. I mentioned Temple 12 a couple of minutes ago. Temple 12 is kind of along this segment, the first, again, 18 or so, so temples. Temple 12 is regarded as one of the hard ones. It's a substantial mountain hike that goes on for some, say, four and a half to six hours of walking to get to Temple 12 and then about an hour back down to the village of Nabewa on the backside, which is where we stayed at Sudachi on um, Henro House, as I mentioned. But the Temple 12 mountain walk is truly fantastic. This trail just wanders for miles up in the mountains to get to Temple 12, which is up in the mountains. This was the only poor weather day we had of the five. It rained um, for a couple hours of our long day in the mountains, but we donned ponchos and it really was no big deal. It was quite pleasant. This is a truly wonderful mountain hike to this beautiful temple up in the mountains. It was really great. I want to say a little bit about wildlife. Certainly lots of birds and something curiously enough, I don't know much about crabs, but I didn't know they lived in the mountains. We have seen so many mountain crabs, not near water generally, just crabs in the mountains. Um, and I also saw a curious little creature today that may have been a porcupine, but I'm not so sure. I don't know what it was. Other than that, there's not much in the way of wildlife. We saw a frog and a single black snake, but not much of that. But what we saw people-wise that was a curiosity, aside from just the generally pleasant and wonderful people we've encountered pretty much everywhere, not that we've seen that many people, is we've twice encountered a Japanese TV crew. We saw them at Temple One on our first day near Bondo Station, and we encountered them again at uh, Nebewa and at Sudachian Henro House below Temple Twelve. And that was kind of interesting that they are walking around with a TV camera and they were kind of interviewing us and getting footage of us eating and and buying temple gear at Temple One and all this sort of stuff. I'm not exactly sure what that's all about, but it was pretty neat in any case. That being said, we woke this morning at Sudachian Henro House, as I said, in the village of Nebewa. Our idea was to get all the way back to our final um, Henro House in Tokushima City, where, as I said, tomorrow we plan to leave Japan and return to the States for three months. But in any case, um, we had a 16-mile walk out today out of the mountains and then descending back into the greater Tokushima City area where we visited temples 13, 14, 15, and 16. And from there, had a 20-minute walk to the train station, which took us back to our, or excuse me, to our hostel, our Henro house here in Tokushima City. And so we finished at Temple 16. Being that we intend to do this in the purest way when we return in three months' time, we intend to take public transportation, the rail system, back to the very same train system, excuse me, the last train system where we finished today, and we will pick up there with a 20-minute walk to Temple 17, and then head on to 18, and then start the clockwise journey around the island of Shikoku. But in closing, I want to use and share the word tudong, which is a Thai word derived from the Pali word dutanga. 
And a tudong is something that monks in particularly the forest tradition of Thailand do. Oftentimes they will embark, they will leave their monasteries and they will walk for weeks, if not months, and sometimes years on end, living very simply, spending time in the mountains and that sort of thing. And indeed, here in Japan, Kukai, who was this monk who lived 1,200 years ago, who founded most of these temples on this particular um, circuit, he was a Tudong monk. He was a monk who spent a lot of time walking and spending time alone in nature and in the mountains and following in his footsteps, which is the idea of this pilgrimage for those who are following it in the traditional way, is indeed following in his footsteps on Tudong, a meditative practice of immersing oneself in wild places in the wilderness for the purpose of finding seclusion and spiritual development. So we have enjoyed these five days on Tudong on the island of Shikoku, but it has come to a close, this reconnaissance, but I will very much appreciate an opportunity to return in three months' time to finish the rest of the pilgrimage. Thank you so much for listening to the Asia Diaries series and for listening to the Where We Go In Today podcast. If anybody has any questions or comments, please do let me know. I'd love to hear from you. But for now, thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye.